Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. thankful that you are here. This is probably the best place that you could be, right here. Amen. It is, uh, it's truly an investment of your time. And your time is life. Amen. So it's a good thing to, it's a good thing to be here. Amen. All right. Uh, We are going to invite Brother Steve Clemenson here to the pulpit, and he's going to preach to us here today. I'd like to say it's been a, uh, they have been a blessing, Brother and Sister Clemenson, since you have been here. Thank you so much. And I asked uh, Brother Steve, I says, Brother Steve, how far back do the Clemenson and the Snyders go back? And uh, somewhere in the 50s, is that right, Brother Jack? We have some history here. Amen. I don't know what part of the 50s, but I know around 1954 is when I came into existence. So, you know, isn't it uh, a wonderful thing as you mature in life to see God unfold his plan and connect you with people. Amen. It's uh, it's an amazing thing. And you probably know if it wasn't for Brother Steve's father, amen, Brother Paul, I don't know how long it would have taken us to get this uh, sanctuary up, but we uh, battled it. It was a challenge for two years, renting buildings, trying to find a place and to worship. And then Brother Paul paid us a visit, and uh, whew, Lord touched that man's heart. He says, uh, Brother Grant, he says, I think I can help you out. Amen. Nine months' time. That was a... a uh, pregnancy period for me okay every day every day I'd come and I'd lunch hour I'd spend my lunch hour here and watch it go up nine months time we were celebrating hallelujah and we're thankful for that amen and uh, so brother Clementson's uh, family uh, they are very rich in my life, and we appreciate him very much. Brother Steve, come, preach to us from the word of the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, and uh, everybody. Amen. God bless you. And uh, it's been a journey. Been a journey. And uh, it's good to see everybody here. Appreciate all the fine uh, 
preaching pastor has done, just some amazing preaching, and uh, I've just enjoyed it, and uh, got real fat, try to share it wherever I go, and uh, even take a few notes and use it <laughs> wherever I can, but um, appreciate the music and the uh, music ministry and all the teaching. Uh, Sister Beth, you did a great job today, enjoyed that. May God bless your brother and heal him and give him eternal life. That's the main thing, is eternal life. You know, we do everything to help us out, help ourselves out here, right? Really, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And don't major on minor stuff. Don't major on minors. Keep the main thing the main thing. Because there's going to be a lot of minors come by, you know, just distractions. Just ignore them. They're going to hit you. They're going to come. And just ignore them and just keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And uh, we thank God that uh, I remember preaching for Brother Leo Daniel in the little church back, I don't even know how to get there anymore, but I used to come back from evangelizing years ago, back in the 80s, and uh, he would always have me come preach, and uh, would come there and preach, and as a kid, used to hang out with uh, the boys, Clifford and Leo, which we called, I called Dwayne, I grew up calling him Dwayne, and um, Clifford used to tag along, and uh, we had a good time. But uh, I won't tell you all those stories. Confession's good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, I'm going to talk today about this simple subject. He brought us in. I'm, he brought us out to bring us in. He brought us out to bring us in. And the scripture I'm going to read here is taken out of Deuteronomy. And we're going to start there. Deuteronomy 6 and 20. When your sons, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the provisions and statutes and judgments mean, which the Lord your God commanded you. Then you shall say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen, meaning slaves, to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The next verse, the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt. That word sore was terrible, 
great and terrible upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. Next verse. And he brought us out from there, or thence, that he might bring us in. He brought us out of there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. It's called the promised land. He brought us out from there to bring us in to the promised land. And verse 24. So, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. You say, what are all these things for? It's for our good. Always. For our good always. You say, well, I just don't get it. That's what the sons ask the fathers. I don't get why we're doing this. He brought us out to bring us in. And these things are for our good always that he might preserve us alive or keep us as survivors as it is to this day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we pray that you anoint us to hear and give us hearts to understand and eyes to see today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So this is written, Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy. But this is his recollection of what they did in Exodus. And how that he remembered and they remembered how life was in Egypt. Egypt came about this way. Miz, Mizraim is the son of Ham, who is the son of Noah, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. This name was the common name for Egypt, Mizraim, which is also known as the land of Ham. For instance, Psalms 105 verse 23 says this. Egypt equals bondage, a prison, bondage. Egypt means literally bondage. It means straits of distress, like a rock on this side, a rock on this side, a strait of distress. And it is also referencing to be trapped and entrenched and bound and besieged. There's just nothing good about Egypt. I mean, you look up the word, you look at what it means, you look at everything that's involved in it, and it's all about bondage, lack of freedom, being entrapped, being in distress, being under siege. The Egypt or Mizraim is a, is a plural word. So 
the word meaning plural means double distress. It's not just distress. It's not just gloom, despair, and agony on me. It's double gloom, despair, and agony on me. It's double distress. It's double hardship. It's twice the bondage. It's twice as hard as it was. It's Egypt is not a good place. Egypt is a stronghold. There was a song years ago when I was a kid came out called the Hotel California. And part of the words were, you can check in, but you can never leave. This was Egypt. Egypt was a stronghold that you could enter, but you could never leave. It was a place of bondage. It was a stronghold. In the theological word book of the Old Testament, the note, it notes that a stronghold or walled city may be an instrument of protection that during the first siege or stage of a war uh, seems to be a, a good place to be. Like if an enemy's there, you know, you want to be behind the wall where the enemy can't get to you, right? But it soon turns into an entrapment a lethal trap if the siege lasts for very long because supplies of food and supplies of water are soon consumed and then you're stuck inside. And what you once thought was a good place to be has now become a death trap to you. It's a bondage. What used to be fun, what used to be a good place to be, now has become something that has shackles and handcuffs on you your hands and your feet and it is burdensome to you and it has become an entrapment and is it has become distress to you and there are many things in our life in this world that is like Egypt and there's parallels in the scripture that draws that this world is Egypt this world is symbolized as Egypt some of us have got out of the strongholds, the bondage of Egypt, and barely with our lives, by the way. I know people who barely made it with their lives that came out of some of the things that this world had and some of, some of the ways of the world it seemed fun at first i mean it was cool at first i mean i look at pictures i get online i look at egypt it's like man that must have been a cool place you got pyramids you got all these big fancy buildings and all these this wall art and all this stuff but it wasn't that way it was it soon turned into bondage it's like hey okay vacation over it's time to leave and it's like ah not so fast you're here for the rest of your life you can't just walk away. This thing's going to track you down. This thing's going to follow you. So our strongholds make us feel safe until we can't quick kick the habit. Right? Our strongholds make us feel good until the habit overtakes us and starts to rule us. And the habit tells us when to get up and when to sleep and when to go and when to come. 
strongholds becoming imprisoned, and this is Egypt, and Egypt begins to take away our freedom and our liberty, whatever that is, whatever that stronghold is, it's that Egypt, that Egypt that begins to dig into us and get a hold of our life, and pretty soon the gates are closed, and we can't walk away from Egypt, right? Moses was raised in Egypt. <clears throat> the best we can tell through archaeology, modern archaeology, current archaeology, is the woman who was the daughter of Pharaoh that was at the river that heard the beautiful baby cry. How do we know it was beautiful? Because Moses wrote about himself, said, I was a beautiful baby. That's what he said. The beautiful baby crying in the reeds of this crocodile-infested, muddy waters of the Nile was given from his older sister to Hatshepsut, which was the daughter of Pharaoh Tutmos. And her mother was Atmos. And so she named him Mos, taken out of the water. That's what she named him. We know him as Moses. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in the royal harem, along with children of royal blood. Acts chapter 7 verse 22 states that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So the dynastic Egyptian harem palace served as the household of the royal children. The most prestigious school of the land of Egypt. The most modern city on earth at the time. And here, the young male rulers received instruction that would prepare them for their future lives as some of the highest-ranking nobles in the land. This is what Moses was prepared for and trained for and educated for. The children would learn networking in the royal harem because it was a crucial importance that they were able to network with the royals that were around them. And he would have been known by the Pharaoh, of course. In Hebrews, it says that Moses, by faith, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict, of Pharaoh's edict, to kill all the babies. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So get the picture. He's raised on a silver spoon, so to speak. I mean, he's got it. You know, he's in the best schools, get, getting the best education. <clears throat> he dresses like an Egyptian. He looks like an Egyptian. He speaks Egyptian. He has Egyptian knowledge. He's in Pharaoh's house. He's an Egyptian. As a matter of fact, 
when he flees Egypt and he goes across the desert to Midian, which is in Saudi Arabia, he, the, the women of Jethro's daughters, the priest of Midian, were, he helped water their camels and they said they found an Egyptian. Why? Because he looked Egyptian, he talked Egyptian, he acted Egyptian, he was an Egyptian. That's Moses. But by faith, when he'd grown up, he refused this life of being an Egyptian. Choosing rather to endure, this is Hebrews 11.25, to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Because Egypt had it all. I mean, if you wanted to score something, you could go to Egypt and get it. If you wanted to do something that was sin, Egypt was sin city. Egypt had all of it. You wanted to cruise up and down the Nile. You wanted to do whatever you wanted to do. Egypt was it. That's why Egypt's considered a type of the world. So Moses chose rather to endure ill treatment and with the people of God than to enjoy Egypt. What Moses was saying is, I'm not an Egyptian. I refuse to be an Egyptian. Something happened to Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. And by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him in whom is unseen. So in, as he's writing down in Deuteronomy, he's talking to the people about the promises and the rewards of Egypt. All that Egypt had to offer, and they lived in it. Now, he came from the different side of Egypt. He came from the good side of Egypt. Because as he talked to them about Egypt, and when their sons would come to them, he said, just remind your sons how life was in Egypt. Papa, Daddy, why do we do it this way? Why do we come to church? Why do we sing these songs, Brother Long? Why do we behave the way we behave? And why don't we behave like that? And why do we do this? Why do we do that? It's because we're not Egyptians. Because in Egypt, we weren't free. In Egypt, we were slaves. In Egypt, we were under bondage of the cruel taskmaster. We were beaten. We were hungry. We worked in forced labor every day of the week. We did not have freedom. We had no hope. We had no peace. Can you imagine not having hope and no peace? Can you imagine living day after day of having no hope for a future and no peace for a future? 
You know what Paul said, we have the blessed hope of his glorious returning. We've already heard that in this service today. We're waiting, Brother Long, you mentioned it, for that coming. We're waiting for it. What is that? That's the hope. That's the hope. Now, what does the hope bring? The hope brings peace. It brings me peace that through the struggle, as I'm going through the struggle in this life, I've got a peace because I've got hope. But in Egypt, son, we had no safety. In Egypt, we lived in fear. And when we cried due to the injustice, there was nobody that was going to ever come. There was nobody that was going to plead our cause. There was nobody that was ever going to stand up and say, we're going to come and make it right for you. In Egypt, it wasn't that way. We had no future. We had no future. So when they come to you and they say, why do you do this? Why do you, why are you like that? Why aren't you like us? You can say to them, look, we we're out there and we were slaves. We were out there and we were beaten. We were poor and we were hungry. We, we, were, we were not free, but now we are free. Now we have a hope. Now we have peace. When God delivered us from Egypt, he gave us hope. He gave us peace. He gave us safety. He gave us justice. He said, don't you worry. You don't have to take vengeance because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And there's going to come a day when I'm going to repay every time you had a hardship and were disadvantaged. That's what he says. He gives us righteousness and he gives us a future. I don't know if you've thought about it, but you're sitting here in this place, some of the most powerful people on earth. You may not have a desk. I may not be speaking with a presidential seal right here, but let me tell you, the spirit that flows through me is more powerful than the president of the United States. And the spirit that flows through you is more powerful than the president of the United States. More president, more powerful than any president of any country. Lost my hair clip right there. Jesus paid the price to redeem us from Egyptian bondage from the world, right? He was crucified on a tree. Now get this. Work with me here. Listen to this. He was crucified on the tree. Why? Because Adam and Eve ate from a forbidden tree. His hands were pierced because Adam and Eve reached out and took from a forbidden fruit and sinned with their hands. His feet were pierced because Adam and Eve's feet carried them to the forbidden fruit of disobedience. His sight was pierced because he joined the separation that was lost through because Eve sinned when she was because she was taken from Adam's side. As she, when she sinned, he rejoined that when he was pierced. 
The thorns on his head were because he took the curse of the earth that man should live and should till the soil and that the soil would produce thorns. And he took them on his head and he wore them and he bled because of them. His bloody stripes, by his bloody stripes we are healed because sickness and death entered the world through sin and his blood has overcome every disease and every death. Praise God. Every disease and every death from the curse. Jesus rose from the dead and brought us out of bondage and slavery of the world through his name, in baptism through his name, and filling of the spirit through his name so that he could bring us in because he brought us out. Hallelujah. And that's what he did. He br he's bringing us out so he could bring us in so that we could be with him and live free forever. Not for a day, not for a week, not for 70 years, not for 100 years, but forever and ever and ever. You want to be free forever? You want to be free forever? That's what Jesus did for us. This is what Peter says. This precious value then this, 1 Peter chapter 2, you could read it when you get home. This then is for you who believe. Are you a believer today? Do you believe? But for unbelievers, it's a stone which the builders rejected. This became the chief cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense because they stumbled because they're disobedient to the word. They tripped over it because they didn't want to obey the word. They didn't want to follow the word, so they tripped over it. That's what the analogy is. It became a stone of offense, a stumbling stone. And the Lord put that stumbling stone right up there as the chief cornerstone that the whole building was built off of. What's that mean? Obeying the word of God is the chief cornerstone of liberty and freedom and deliverance and everlasting life and, and living forever. You want to be happy? That's where you get it. You say, well, I'm going to go over here and find it. You're not going to find it there. Why? Because I've learned that. I learned it the tough way. You're going to find it here. You're going to find it on your knees in prayer. You're going to find it singing those wonderful songs about the blood and those wonderful songs about heaven. You're going to find it when you open this book. It's going to start speaking to you. Why? Because it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. There's, there's life in it. There's power in it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Sister Beth, you could go to Omaha. You could go to Waxahoochee. You could go to Timbuktu. You could go to Richland. You could go to Prosser. You could go to anywhere. Anywhere you go, when you start speaking the name of Jesus, he's there with you. He doesn't leave you. He's there by your side. So Peter said, it's a stone of stumbling. It's a stumbling stone and a rock of offense because they stumble because they're disobedient to the word. And to this, they were also appointed. But you, but you focus on this. 
but you are not that way. You're a believer. You're an obedient believer. He said this. Listen, he said, you are a chosen people out of the billions of people in this world, out of the billions that have been born. You're hearing the good gospel of the truth of God. You're feeling the power of the living God come into this building. Your, your soul is being restored from the terror from this world. And you are a chosen people. God's chosen you out. He singled you out and said, I want you. I love you. I want you to be a part. Not only that, not only did I choose you. You say, well, I chose God. He chose you before you were alive. He died for you before you were even a twinkle in your mother and father's eye. He chose you. And not only that, Peter said, after he had had a good talk with Jesus, Jesus told him, you're a royal priesthood. Moses might have been trained in the royal courts of Pharaoh, but you're a royal priesthood. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you obey his word, you repent of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you are a royal priesthood. You're not just average Joe walking down the street. There's power coursing through you. There's the almighty God with you. He's going to be before, we sing the song, he'll be before you, he'll be after you. He, what does that mean? He's going to be all around. That's why the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that love the Lord and serve him. He's going to be everywhere around you. There was a little lady in Argentina. She was making her way to church. She was a little late, walked down this alley, and at the end of the alley, there was two thugs, and they had guns. Well, she'd got too far into the alley before they stepped out behind a dumpster, and she looked at them, and she was a little concerned, but she had to get to church, so she kept walking, and as she kept walking, those guys looked startled at something. They were afraid of something. Why? She's a chosen person. She's a royal lady. She's a royal lady. There's something special about her. She's not an Egyptian. She doesn't look like an Egyptian. She don't talk like an Egyptian. She don't go where Egyptians go. She don't do what Egyptians do. She's, she's special. She's from another world. She's a heavenly lady. And they got scared. And they started screaming and dropped their gun and took off and running the other way. There was a lady behind her that saw what happened. There was an angel about 10 foot tall walking right behind her. And those guys looked at her. They thought they were going to take advantage of her. And that angel just flicks his muscles a little bit. And that, they took off. You see... We're special people to the eyes of God. We're a royal priesthood. And then he says, you're a holy nation. What's that mean? You're separate. You're not an Egyptian. You're, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be unusual. You're supposed to be 
peculiar. You're a holy nation, holy to God, separate to God. That word holy means separate and sanctified to God. God has put a spirit in us that we are special. We don't, we don't do the things the Egyptians do because they're unsanctified. We do the holy things. We do the righteous things. And when we do the holy and the righteous, then it pleases God. And then he said, we're chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Then get this. He's going to put, a, he's going to put the cherry on top of the Sunday here, right? He's going to put the whipped cream on top of the ice cream. I don't like whipped cream on top of the ice cream. I'm just saying he's building it up good here. He said, you, you are a people for God's own possession. Now think about that. You mean I'm a person for God's own possession? He's calling me out. All of this was about calling me out of this world. What I went through and all the things I went through. He's about calling me out of this world so that he could take me as his own. As his own possession. That means I'm his and I'm not mine. I belong to him. <clears throat> so tell me, what do you have to fear? What do you have to be afraid of? What do you have to worry about? That's why Jesus said, worry about nothing. For even the sparrows are fed. For even the lilies of the field, they don't toil. They don't sweat and work and spin, but look how they're clothed in beauty. Peter said, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. I'm telling you, that's royalty right there. That's special people. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, out of Egypt, out of darkness, into his marvelous light. Out of darkness. You know, it's hard to see how dark the darkness is when you're in the darkness. So when you come out of a dark place, let me give you an analogy. You come out of a dark, dark place, you come into a building that's lit, it hurts your eyes. Or you come out of a building that's dark and you go outside in the sun, it hurts your eyes. So he called us out of that darkness into marvelous light. And into his marvelous light, we begin to see things. We begin to understand more. <clears throat> he said, because you're called out of darkness into his marvelous light, you're called out of Egypt, you're called out of this stuff. And some, some folks have a, have a real trouble with that. Well, my eyes are hurting. <clears throat> my, you know, it's, that darkness was comfortable. That stronghold was comfortable. That place that I've, I was, was comfortable. Yeah, it was. 
Yeah, that's right. It's exactly right. It was comfortable. But the Lord's calling us out because we're a chosen people. He looked at us and he said, you are special to me. And I want you to be with me forever. Forever. I want you to experience things that you can't even see right now. Because you, that darkness has clouded your sight. So when when we're in darkness, we don't get to see all the treasures. We don't get to see all the, the wonderful things. And when we're in darkness, we don't get to see all the benefits yet. And so in this body, we still don't get to see. Paul said, we, we don't get to see yet. Eye has not seen, ears not heard, nor has it been told to us all the things that God has prepared for us. We still are seeing through a glass darkly, he says. We still don't see. We see a little bit. We've got some light. We've got some things we see. But after we have this regeneration that goes on that... <clears throat> When the Lord calls us home, we're going to see things a lot more clearly. Then Peter says this, for you were not a people. You were not a people. You were wandering around out there. You were not a people. But now you are the people of God. You didn't receive mercy, but now you've received mercy. God has had mercy on your soul. You were nothing. I was nothing, but God brought us together, and now we're something that God celebrates. That's right. We were delivered from the world, which is Egypt. We have no more shackles, no more shackles, no more chains. We have no more shackles to drugs, to alcohol, to lying, to stealing, to cheating, all of that junk that's out there. The chains of Egypt have fallen to the ground. Can you hear them? The desire for Egypt has left and the new future has come into view. We don't look like Egyptians anymore. We took off those Egyptian clothes, took them off. We threw them away. Holy Ghost is given with a new language. We don't even speak Egyptian anymore. We got a language from heaven. We changed passports, got a new passport from Egypt to the promised land. My passport says promised land. Paul Stephen Clementson, expiry forever, forever. We belong to a new country, heaven. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We have peace, righteousness, and joy. We have freedom. We can dance before him. We can sing before him. Why? Because those things that used to hold us down, they don't hold us back anymore. They don't hold us back anymore. <laughs> down in Texas, there was a sweet sister in the church. If you remember the comics from the 50s, the Popeye comics, olive oil, that's who she looked like, olive oil, Sister Pearl. You're not recording this, are you, Brother Cliff? 
Don't send it to Texas. Now they're in Arkansas, I think. A pastor in the church. But her former life was not pretty. That's what Egypt does to you. It'll stain you. You come in with scars. You come in with memories that are PTSD times 100. Right? But the Lord could wash all that away. The Lord could take your memory and just clean it and purify it and give you a peace. And someone said, how come she worships that way? And I said to them, if you knew where God brought her from, if you knew what kind of Egypt she came from, if you knew the hell she had to walk through to get into this place, to have freedom to lift her hands, my God, you would understand. You would say, go, girl. You go, Pearl. You go, Pearl. Lift those hands, Pearl. Jump and shout, Pearl. If you knew what it took to get us here to this place, no wonder we worship the Lord the way we do. There's some, there's some things we've gone through. There's some scars, yeah. We paint it all up pretty. We get here all up pretty. We take a shower, put some deodorant on. We smell better. Yeah, we look better. But God has taken us from a place of Egypt and brought us into a place where he said, you didn't have mercy, but now you've got mercy. You can lift your hands. You could feel free. And when you do, I'm going to rush in with forgiveness. I'm going to rush in with forgiveness. And that forgiveness is going to go run deep. It's going to run deep like a deep river. It's going to run deep. And it's going to push boulders out of the way. It's going to push sand out of the way. It's going to push things in your life that you even forgot about out of the way. Would you stand? He brought us out to bring us in to this. Thank God he brought us out to bring us in. Say, why, why are you so different I'm different because he's done something for me. I'm different because he's done something for me. Right? I know what it was like to, to do the drugs. I know about all that. There's nothing there, man. There's nothing there. When Jesus came in, all that desire for Egypt went out the door. <laughs> went out the door. We're a people that he loves. We're a people that he cares about. You say, well, you know, I, I feel insignificant. If you come to him and you call upon him, You'll reach him. You'll find him. That's what the scripture says. If you seek him with your whole heart, 
you'll find him. And when you find him, you're going to find the peace that he brings because his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. Everlasting life. Is there a way that we could come down and understand as we pray together as a church family, as a big church family, as we gather down here, that we could say, thank you, Lord. Some of us are going to say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me into this. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me into this and letting me be a part. And what we see is a small church. Let me tell you, there's, there's a lot of people that are in his church. And we're just a, a fraction of it. Let's gather down at the front here. Come on. Let's gather down at the front. It's a church family. And I'm going to pray over all of us. You say, well, I need something from the Lord. The Bible says you ask. If you haven't received, it's because you haven't asked. You have to ask. If you, if you want the freedom and you want the peace, you have to ask him. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to understand who we are in you. Help us to understand who, what we have, what you've entrusted us with. Help us to understand that, Lord, you've given us such power and such strength from your kingdom, an inheritance that is forever. And I thank you, Lord. We all come with needs. We all come with special needs. And I want you to do this. I want you to